0: this morning we are starting another four week series this month about our thrive plan and this part of it's going to be all about discipleship remember there are three different aspects to our strategic thrive plan and that a second one is about reaching Jesus and in simple terms in simplest terms we're going to talk about growing up in Jesus this month and so I thought this morning it'd be good just to talk about your sainthood And again, some of you are going, oh, that's not me. Even if you wouldn't say it out loud. Deep down, when you look at the person in the mirror, saint maybe just doesn't come to mind. (laughs) Should it? I want to explore that idea today. Sixty-nine times this word turns up in the Bible, and you know what? It means the same thing every time. It simply means holy one. Say it with me holy one. So let's start there. Does God want us to be holy ones, or is that a concept that we should just give up? See, where the Scriptures are concerned, this is simply a word that is a way to refer to God's people, Old and New Testament. So when Paul is writing to the churches in the New Testament and talking about the people in the church, he refers to the saints. They're not some special subcategory in the church. They are the people of the church. So look around you and you get to see some this morning. Isn't that neat? Look at all the saints out there. I like how William Barclay puts it in his commentary, one of his commentaries. He says, a saint is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. We should all be holy ones. Our lives should all be making it easier for other people to believe in God, shouldn't it? So if you're in the body of Christ today, you're a saint. I want you to chew on that concept for a moment. We should all be living like saints, and that means we should all be growing in this relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. We could just have prayer and close with that. That'd be it this morning. So I want to give you just a quick reminder of how we got here. Remember, hope lives here. That's our vision. Amen? Amen. And the way that we expect to see that be true is by living out our vision statement, our mission statement. That is, love God, love people, serve both. So that means there are certain core values that we uphold, including biblical truth and disciple-making. And that's another way to get down to what we are saying this morning, sainthood. Part of what we do here as a church family is we help each other be saints. We help one another grow into Christian maturity. I see people get frustrated with their failures by their lack of spiritual power, the power to resist temptation, to make wise choices, to provide good leadership, to know what's true from what's a lie. Not only do we get frustrated by our own lack, but I think I'm not alone when I say that we get disappointed and we get hurt when we see other people lacking that as well, don't you? You see, the answer to those failures, the answer to that frustration is maturity, to grow up in the Lord, to help close the gap between God's Word and what we do so that God's Word directs our personal living. It isn't just something that we know and read. That's the answer to a lot of things, by the way. That's like the answer of bridging the gap between what the doctor says you're supposed to do and then what you actually do after you leave his office. Like bridging the gap between the promises that a couple makes to each other, the wedding vows, and then doggedly keeping those vows ten years later. Bridging the gap. I want to look in the book of Hebrews this morning. And so if you would, please, get your Bibles and and open them up, just like Brian had you do earlier. What a great thing it is to fill that book and open it up, or your device and open it up. How much better that your device is open to a Bible app instead of social media right now? All right. Unless you're online, keep it on Facebook. All right. Well, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. The writer of this book sees the need in the people who are receiving his letter, and he's writing away, and he's talking about things he wants to, and he wants to go in-depth into some more things, but he's got to pause for these particular people that he's writing to because there is a lack of maturing. Listen to what he says, starting in chapter 5 at verse 11. He says to them, About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. What would the letter written to the people of Central Christian Church read like today? I'm not sure, but I am sure, just looking here at this passage of Scripture together today, there are some good words for us to take to heart here. I I read it, and I know about myself, I don't want to be fit into the fat little baby category. I don't want to be compared to an infant. I don't want to have to go to the remedial class I want to be in the mature category, how about you? And once we have given these words an honest look, I think it could help us understand why sometimes we struggle and feel like we're lacking spiritual power. Are we growing, moving forward in our relationship with Jesus Christ, or has it stalled out? Has it stopped? Are we living like saints? So. Go back here to chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6 in Hebrews, and what we're going to do is take a self-test this morning, all right? It's, it's in the text here. It's right there. There's four questions. Ask yourself these questions as we re-look at it again. The first question is this. Have you become dull of hearing? He says to them, It's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. I noticed this, that not all learn. Is a matter of intelligence there is also a lot that we do or don't learn depending on guess what it is our will to learn or not part of the problem with the Hebrews who received this letter was their failure to keep learning they were unable to take in some of the heavier concerns some of the heavier things about Jesus because they had slowed down in their learning process the writer says they had become dull It wasn't that they couldn't, it was because they wouldn't. I've listened some years back to more than one student who struggled with homework. And it wasn't because he or she had an intelligence problem, wasn't intelligent enough to do it. It was because there were more interesting things to do. There was video games, social media, Things like that, and needless to say, when those other things took priority in the student's mind, not this is all hypothetical, by the way, when it took priority in the student's mind, it slowed the learning process, and mom and dad would have to redirect attention to the learning that needed to be done. You ever skip over some things in the Bible that challenge you? You find it easier to get on Facebook and read headlines rather than plowing through a couple challenging chapters in 1 Kings? You see, growing up in Jesus involves not being a slow learner when God has things to teach us, things that should take priority in what there is to be learned. Everyone, the Scriptures say, should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Here's the second question in the self-test. All right, first of all, have you become dull and learning? Here's the second question, and that is, are you relaying your spiritual foundation? You see those words there in chapter 5? We should not be laying again a foundation. And that's in the beginning of chapter 6. Foundations are essential in a lot of places. Uh, From skyscrapers to tombstones, there's got to be foundations. From houses to households from playing sports to playing an instrument, from art to childhood development, a good foundation is important. I'm sitting here thinking of Coach Tim Romanello who coaches soccer, and I know it without asking him, but he'll nod here in a second, I hope, Tim, that you teach foundational things to soccer players. You teach the basics so that they can build on the basics. Am I right, Tim? Good. That's how it works. You've gotta lay a foundation. And good foundations are important. They get laid and they are there and they do their work, but then, like in a building, they get covered up. And it's easy to forget this because a foundation is usually put in place and then forgotten. It's doing its job, but it's still there. It can't just be skipped. A foundation does its work, but it can't be seen all the time. And they're a one-time deal. You don't add them after a building's already started. You don't put on an extra foundation after one foundation has been laid, and that's true when it comes to our Christian walk. There are some things in the, in the walk of your faith that you have to learn at first, some basic primary things. Today, over in the kids' wing, during second worship hour, our kids are going to be there, and they're going to be learning some foundational things about God and about the relationship with God. Along the way, they're going to be learning things like the books of the Bible and the Ten Commandments and some of those basic things week to week. And they're doing that uh, because they're foundational so that they'll have something to build on as they grow up in their faith. Well, if church is fairly new to you, you may still be working on some of those foundational things. You may still be laying some of that foundation in your understanding, and that's okay. Even if you're an older person who just began in your walk of faith, that's okay because you've got to make up some extra efforts to get caught up, but it's still the same process. You lay a foundation, you build on the foundation, and then you go on, right? So if you find yourself constantly relaying your spiritual foundation, it's an indicator that growth isn't happening like it should be. A foundation is a is a done thing that you build on here's the third question alright self-test keep testing number three are you teaching by now did you see those words he said by this time you ought to be teachers and understand right away that teaching Is it something that's done just by a teacher up in front of a class? Teaching happens in all kinds of settings, doesn't it? It Happens at home with children. It happens in a small group sitting around a table. It happens when two people get together over a cup of coffee and one learns from the other. It happens when two go to work out in a field or in the yard somewhere side by side. So this isn't just about a classroom. This is about any setting where one person helps another person learn something about the Lord and they grow because of it. And the writer of Hebrews says to these folks who are reading it, you ought to be teachers by now, by this time. He doesn't say to them, some of you should be teachers by now. He doesn't say to them, some of you, everyone should teach for a few years. What does he say? He says, by this time, he says, enough time has passed, and that means by now you should have learned something, something that you should be passing along to others. You should be teachers. Oh, you're saying, but I haven't been a Christian very long. Okay, how much do you have to know in order to start passing it on? You don't have to know everything, do you? In fact... Who knows everything? Audience participation time, no participation on that one. Somehow, though, you learned enough, if you're a follower of Jesus, you learned enough to follow him. And by the way, that is enough. That enough learned for you to share it with somebody else. Amen? I'm reminded of John chapter 9, where uh, Jesus has healed a man who was born blind. And the, the religious leaders don't like it. He gets called on the carpet for it. He gets called in front of the Jewish council, and they start throwing questions at him. What's going on? Who did this? How did this happen? And he he replies with honest replies, but he says this in the middle of it. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see. For him, that was pretty simple. He didn't know everything, but he did know that. Jesus had healed his life that's you and that's me And it doesn't matter who you are how old you are once some time has passed and I don't know what that magic number is but once some time has passed in your Christian life you should be teaching someone else what you have learned from what someone else has taught you you should be at some point taking off the bib and putting on the apron in other words So if you're growing up in the Lord, you should be teaching it to someone else. That's the third question. Are you a teacher? All right. Here's the fourth question. Self-test. Can you tell good from evil? In other words, do you have discernment? The writer says, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of what? Discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Being able to judge between what's good and what's bad and what's true and what's false, that's an important part of growing up, isn't it? For instance, what if a guy in a movie named Napoleon Dynamite, what if a guy named Napoleon Dynamite was at an FFA milk judging contest? Discernment. How would that look? Uh, It looked like this. The defect in that one is bleach. That's correct. Yes. This tastes like the cow got into an onion patch. Correct. delicious. It's fine. It's just good old-fashioned whole milk. Correct again, you're in first place. Yes. If you're not a Napoleon Dynamite fan, that's okay. I just thought that. Pretty good illustration of what it means to be able to discern things. I remember when I was a kid reading about the outdoors, and I really enjoyed doing that, especially in the wintertime when you couldn't be doing fishing and things like that. I like to read Field and Stream and Outdoor Life and those magazines and books. I like to watch TV shows about it. And those were all geared to help me find fish. You could read about that and learn about that from reading. And you know that reading and watching has its merits, but then getting out there and doing it and then coming back and reading up some more and going out and doing it again, that carries it a whole lot further. And I got to where I could look at a creek or I could look at a river and I began to learn to to read it please don't get the impression that I think I'm some great guy at this but I learned I could I got better at being able to go you know what that's a fishy spot right over there right after that undercut in the bank I'll bet you there's one over there or I could look at a big long stretch where it was just straight and no turns and say that probably no fish here fighting the current And over time, that began to be something I could do better and better. An experienced hunter can do the same kind of thing when it comes to finding deer or turkeys. Constant study and constant practice, learning about it and doing it, learning some more and doing it helps a person to get better at those things, right? It works with people, too. I know there are certain words and there are certain languages, body languages, we call them tells. That person has a tell, right? That tells when someone's lying. And when somebody studies these, they could tell you pretty quickly if someone's telling a lie because they study it and they practice it and they begin to learn how to discern what's going on. Spiritual discernment works that way, it's a sign of spiritual maturity. Do you have it? Has constant practice helped you to be able to do this? You pick up a book to read a book, and not very far into the book, you find yourself saying, well, this book isn't worth the paper it's printed on. It's misleading, it's weak. Or do you sit in a small group and as the discussion gets going, you find it's a really good discussion and the talk and the, and the discussion in the group is shining light on the truth of God's word and it's challenging you and moving you to, to good living? Or do you see a moving scene in a movie and it really gets a hold of you, but at the same time, it sends up a little red flag because in the midst of doing that, it's also saying that something that's highly immoral is okay that's discernment there's something there that comes with growing up in the Lord but if you find yourself constantly wondering if what you're reading is edifying or if it's good if the conversation you're involved in is accurate or if it's misleading might be because you need to mature in your life where this is concerned being able to tell good from evil is a skill that comes from practice and from training yourself like the writer says discernment all right there's four questions that's the four question self-study this passage of scripture we're looking at here today it's part of Hebrews if you're a believer and you've been a part of God's family for 20 years guess what you ought to be storing you ought to be scoring well on that test right and if you didn't the question now is what will you do or if you're fairly new if you're relatively new at being a follower of Jesus Well then that's okay because here now this morning you've got a tool to use to gauge how am I doing at this? How am I doing at living as a saint? You can check your progress. Use it as a self-check to mark where you're at. So with that done, here's what I want to say this morning. Growth is supposed to be a constant in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. It's never supposed to stop And if you did well on this list, then you've already come to realize there is always more room to keep growing. That's something else to talk about on another day. There is always room to keep growing. A few years ago, a phenomenon migrated down, I think from Wisconsin, into the Rockford area. They're called roundabouts. If you've ever gotten off the interstate at certain places in Wisconsin, you know all about roundabouts. Maybe you spent some time on them. And you know what a roundabout is. A roundabout is an intersection that you can go through where, ideally, you don't always have to stop. If the traffic is clear, you just kind of jump on. It's like a revolving door for cars. All right? And some people handle them better than others. Some people handled them better than others in Rockford, too, when they started and When they started showing up in Missouri while we were still living in Missouri, I remember I just really enjoyed uh, when we'd go up to Carthage, there was a roundabout, and I had the kids in the car, and we'd get on a roundabout, and I'd just do a few laps, <laughs> just a few victory laps to annoy the people in the car and because I found it kind of fun, and then I'd get back off, and, and I did that for to be silly, but you know what, that is kind of how I picture the person whose walk with God is just sort of stagnating instead of making progress. They've gotten on and they're just still going there, and it's moving, but it's not getting anywhere. How do I mature? How do I make sure that my walk with God isn't like I just jumped on the roundabout and just, there I go? I'm glad you asked that, because there are some answers. In these words that we looked at this morning, along with that test, there are some answers about how to jump off the roundabout and get moving forward. Here's the first thing, and that is don't resist. Learn. Don't resist it. Charlie Brown, always a good theological reference point. Charlie Brown, wrestling with feelings of inferiority, asks Linus, what would you do if you felt that nobody liked you? Linus says, Well, Charlie Brown, I guess I'd take a real hard look at myself, ask if I'm doing anything that turns people off. How can I improve myself? Do I need to change in some way? Yep, that's my answer, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown says, I hate that answer. (laughs) Sometimes when we come to God's Word with our questions, the answer that we're going to get isn't the answer that we wanted to hear, is it? I'm mad at somebody, and I open up the Bible, and what I wanted to hear is how I can righteously stay mad. I have a difficult truth that I actually need to share with someone, and what I wanted to hear is that it's okay to lie in certain situations. I want to continue to be living in some kind of sexual immorality. And I wanted the Bible somehow to say that it's all right to do that. I enjoy using substances that destroy my witness for Jesus. And I want the Bible to say I was free to do that no matter what. When we study God's Word with a hard heart, we are slow to learn. God inspired this word. God breathed this word through the pens of writers like Matthew and Mark and Paul and Luke and James and Moses and David so that we could be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not so that we'd be right and everybody else would be wrong. Not so that we would know something that everybody else doesn't know. Not so that we would just have something to debate and discuss when we get together, but so that our lives would do the good works that God has prepared for us to do. God gave us his word to direct our living. So when you read the Bible, when you hear a message from God's word, listen for the way that God is inviting you to learn and to do something. Today, after sharing from God's Word, I'm going to suggest that we're supposed to do something about it. And you know what? That's what God has in mind, too, I believe. It is equipment for life. Can I get a uh-huh? I'm glad if your Bible has a very nifty leather cover on it. I'm glad if you keep it in a prominent place in your home. I am glad if you tie these words as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses. And I am also reminded of a song from the 70s that said, you're into the Word. Yeah, you're into the Word, but is the Word getting into you? This book that we have with us today, it's not an icon. It's not something that makes Uh, Us tell the truth if we're resting our hand on top of it and and swear It's there to get into our life, so don't fight that Expect that when you open it up expect that it will change you Here's the second thing that I think will truly help and that is get a good foundation and then go on and I want to talk Again about foundations. Let me encourage you get a good foundation One of the best ways to do that, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but one of the best ways to do that is to read through the whole Bible in a year. And you don't have to wait till January the 1st to begin to do that. Read through the Bible in a year, 15 minutes a day, will get you through the whole Bible. Get the YouVersion app. It'll remind you, hey, catch up, or here's where you're at. And if you've never learned them, learn things like the locations of the books of the Bible, Remember? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the epistle to the Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Go ahead and learn a goofy song. It works. Learn the Ten Commandments. Learn the Twelve Apostles. Get the foundation down so that you have something to build on. And if you're grown up and you haven't done this yet, then do that yesterday. Get it done so that you don't find yourself going back to lay your foundation after the fact. Lay the foundation and move learn the basics if you have it, and go on. Okay? That's a suggestion that I think we can pull out of this today. Here's one more, and that is use it. Use it. I used this phrase about bridging the gap earlier. We often fail to bridge the gap between knowing and doing. I've known a lot of people who learned the books of the Bible, who could quote several verses that they learned, Years ago at Vacation Bible School or at church camp and they can give the right answer when you ask Bible questions, but their lives have gone south And how I wish for everyone here today that we could be people who not only know the word But whose lives are clearly doing the word Bible's dynamic isn't it? It penetrates. Here's some words that it says about itself. It divides it judges it attacks It burns it smashes It accomplishes its purpose, just like rainwaters bring forth things from the earth. It is also a source of blessing and sustenance. It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It is more to be desired than honey. James tells us it is foolish to look into the Word and to see there what kind of a person you are and then walk away from that and forget about it. It'd be self-deception this morning for you to consider the scriptures, to look at the scriptures and say, yep, that's talking about me. Ooh, that's stepping on my toe. I need to do better at that. Or to say, yeah, you know what? Finally, it's true. Today is the day. I need to become a follower of Jesus. I need to quit putting this off and then get to the end here and do nothing. James says, you're deceiving yourself. So what's your story? How many of you could come up here this morning and talk about your story, could say how Christianity was just kind of a casual thing with you until you finally took hold of it and you put it into practice? How many of you could testify this morning about the way that God has seen you through some really difficult things in your life, but you realize you wouldn't be saying that if it weren't for the way that you finally made an effort to put God's Word into practice not just to know it. You could stand and say, it really is, in my life, the difference between standing and crashing after what we went through. So get into the practice of filtering your decisions in life through Bible-searching questions. When you see something happening, ask the questions like, is there a scriptural command about this? Is there a whole book or a chapter in the Bible about this? Is there an example or a story that fits where I'm at in life today? That's the approach of a person who's growing up in his walk in Jesus. That's the approach of the saints, God's holy people. Who take it seriously when he says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That is what God calls all of us to do. That's sainthood. Holy ones. You can cross-section a tree and you can tell a whole lot about its history, about what it was like growing up for that tree. If you count back from the year that the tree is cut, you can tell by the number of rings the year that that tree first began to grow. Uh, Here is a picture of what's called the Mark Twain tree from the redwood forests of California. It was cut down in the year 1891. It had 1,341 growth rings, which means that tree began to grow in the year 550, 300-some feet tall, 16 feet in diameter. And when you look at the rings in a tree like that, or any tree, you will see some that have a light portion and a dark portion. The light portion of the ring is early in the spring when the tree is doing most of its growth. The dark part of each ring, well, that's the thinner uh, summer kind of growth. If the ring is off-center in the tree, it shows that it grew on a slope or uh, it had to grow around something. Wide rings in there indicate that it was growing fast. Narrow rings indicate there was competition for sunlight or competition for water, and so growth wasn't happening as quickly. I want to tell you this morning that without cutting yourself in half, you could probably look back on the years of your life and get some indicators. And yeah, you'd look back and you'd say, that year, that was a lean year. That was a year that not much growth happened. And, and then you could look at some and you could say, yep, here are some years where there was lots of growth, big wide rings, light portions, and here are some, some bends in the curves that show that was an uphill year, or that I had to work around something, some challenges. And oops, here are some others where there was competition, didn't grow as much. Here's the important question. Are you growing? Are you growing? And what are you doing to make sure that you do? That's what I want to leave with this morning. Lord's calling each of us today to keep growing up in Him. That's part of what it means to be a saint. So if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I think it gets across to you, I hope it is, it should be pretty evident that we're not talking about just step forward and say something and that's it, you're done. No, it's step forward and begin. It's step forward and start this life with Jesus Christ. And for every one of us who have at some point in the past made that decision, we're looking back at a life where we did that. We said on one day, I'm going to begin today, and we're to be growing from there. Yeah, some of the rings might look a little narrower than others, but the big question is, are you growing? In a moment here, we're going to to sing a song. You know the drill, right? We're going to sing a song. We're going to stand up. We're going to have a word of prayer. The preacher's going to say something about, don't just be like you were. Be different. Okay. Okay. God's Word says that we're supposed to grow. And so I just want to let that say what it needs to say for all of us here this morning. Let's stand together. Let's talk to God about our growth in Him. And today, if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus, would you consider beginning that life in Him? If you're ready to make that choice, I'm going to invite you to come down here to the front. When we're singing this song here in a moment, you come down here, just talk to me about how to become a follower of Jesus so that we can help you begin that relationship with him today. If you're online, we'd love to hear from you. If you need to begin or if you've got questions about how to begin becoming a follower of Jesus, cccrockford.org slash connect. Type into the comments line right now. Uh, Get in touch with us, please, so that we can get back to you and help you to begin this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your good word, for all that it says about itself, that it does to us and for us. And Father, I pray that we would take to heart uh, the message that it had for those first readers uh, who read that letter of Hebrews. Uh, God, I pray that we today will also take to heart the need to be your holy people, to be saints as you've called us, and to grow. So, Lord, uh, thank you for these words. Help us, please, to remember them, to be honest as we assess where we're at and where you want us to be. Father, we pray also together for those who haven't made the decision yet to begin in this walk with you. Lord, help today to be the day as, as the days tick down, as the number of opportunities becomes less and less. Lord, help us, please, Uh, with the one person that we are especially praying for and seeking to point to you, uh, to find opportunity to speak of this to them. We ask these things in Jesus' name.